Welcome back. This is Lynn Wilson. Welcome back to Hope for Today's podcast. Glad you're here. I hope you took my advice last week and you invited a friend to come along with you and that you were sitting comfortably and enjoying this podcast for today that God has for us. I will let you know that every time I start this podcast right before I come to do it, my prayer is that I will show up and God will take over. So I want you to know that these are not my words, these are his words. And it's always interesting that when I go through my notes, all of a sudden I realize that God intervened in different spots of the devotion that he really wanted to make a point about. And this particular devotion, if for no one else, it's meant for me. So if you get something out of it, that's great too. But for this particular one, God really needed to speak to my heart. So maybe there's something in it for you. Today, we're going to be talking about what are you worth? What are you worth? I know as a woman, I struggle with being inadequate. Um, Self-esteem, I think most women struggle with that. You don't quite feel that you fit in. You don't feel qualified. Um, if I can even say we're in a man's world and sometimes we don't know our place in that. And it's a struggle for most women. And um, we need to, with the grace of God, overcome that to realize that we are worth something. But for today, maybe you're sitting there saying, I'm worthless. I, I, I have nothing to offer. I see all these people that are, you know, their names are bigger than life. And look at all the things that they're doing. And they get recognized. Or the church has their name in the bulletin all the time. And I do stuff and I don't even have a name. Well, we're going to talk about that. So let's see what we're worth. If we were to go by what Google says, um, this is from 2016. So fast forward four years, we'll throw on maybe another $10, but let's just see what it says. 99% of the mass of the human body consists, consists of six elements, oxygen, carbon, um, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. They're worth about $576. Hmm. I thought maybe I'd be worth a little bit more than that, but there's more. All the other elements that are in your body, taking those into account, would be about another $9 more. So we're at maybe $600 to $700. So um, we're not really worth a whole lot in terms of our physical being. So that's probably how most of us feel most times, that we're not really worth a whole lot. Let's look at Psalm 139.14. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Fearfully, that is not a frightened type of fear. That is a respectful fear. The Lord respected us so much that he's created us. And it says, wonderful are your works. He, he's done a wonderful thing. I think of that often for myself, just that I need to remember I, Lynn, you, put your name in it. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. If I haven't convinced you yet, let's look at Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me make that personal. But God showed his love for Lynn. You put your name in there. That while Lynn was still a sinner, you put your name in there. Christ died for Lynn, and you put your name in there. Think about that. 
we talked about this last week, how the Lord took your name to the cross, your name, yours, before you were even born. He knew that you would be fearfully and wonderfully made, and he took your name to the cross. Why on earth would he die for someone that he didn't even care about, who he didn't even think was worthwhile? You know, I, I, I think to myself, if, if I was Christ and I knew you know, God's all-knowing. If I knew what was going to happen during Adam and Eve and, and what they would do with my creation, I think I would have given up. Think of Noah. He had to basically reboot the earth and restart with a fresh start. Would I have even bothered knowing what would happen? Would I have even gone to the cross to die for somebody that would curse my name, that would spit on me? that would totally tell the awful truths that are not truth about my son, me as a savior, what I did on the cross and why I did it, that would mock me, that would take and twist everything that I created to be perfect into something horrible and sinful. Would I have died for that person? Me? Absolutely not. But obviously, Christ has, well, he's perfect and he has a perfect plan. But he sees more than we see. He knows more than we know. His love is bigger than we can even fathom. That he died on the cross knowing every single thought, every single action, every time you step away from him, every time maybe you're sitting there and not even a Christian and you've cursed his name and you've rejected him, he still died for you. Now, at the end of this, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Okay, one more verse. Let's look at one more verse. It's always good to go to scripture. That's, I tell people the time when I've spoken, don't listen to me. Don't even listen to a word I say. You go back to God's word. You see what he has to tell us. So let's go back to the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis in the Old Testament, the first chapter in the Bible. Let's go right back to the beginning. Genesis 1:27. So God created man or woman, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them both. So God created mankind in his own image. That's me. I'm mankind. I'm a human being. Okay, so he died on the cross for me. He loved me so much. He fearfully and wonderfully made me in his own image. I'm kind of starting to think that maybe there's something there that I need to pay attention to that, you know, um, he must have a purpose for me or a plan for me or he must see value in me or something. So let's put that aside for just a moment and we're going to look at three women in the Bible. And I have some questions. So if you're making notes, these are the questions. Number one, did they have any worth? These three women in the Bible, did they have any worth that you and I would consider worth? Did they have any qualifications that we could see? Would we say, from what we can see, not looking at the end of the story, but just from the beginning, was there any purpose in what God was doing? Humanly speaking, was there any purpose? And number four, did God accomplish what he needed to do in spite of the lack of qualifications, maybe the lack of location, and maybe the lack of the current situation that they were in? So qualifications, you know, what would you say um, what a qualification is. Well, if we were to go somewhere 
you were to apply for a job, you'd fill out a resume and you would tell them, here's why you want to pick me. I've worked here, I'm talented in, I've got a degree here, I've excelled in these areas, here's my references. You know, you're going to beef up that resume to show them and prove to them you're, you're worth something. I have value. You need to hire me. I have value. I've got these skills and these skills are what you need. What are some of the things that these three women maybe brought to the table in terms of thoughts? What were they thinking? Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a woman. I'm a human being. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a career woman. I love doing homesteading. But all of these thoughts are not always perfect. There are days I love my husband and there's days not so much. It's probably 99% of the time not his fault. It's because my own attitude needs an adjustment. And I look at him through the wrong perspective. What are the things that maybe they were thinking? Could this be done? Looking at the situation, the location, what's happening in the world at their time, could this be done? How did God move? This in every single time, in every single one of these stories, and even in your own life, when something is done, this can only be traced to the hand of God. So let's look at these three women. We're gonna look at Queen Esther. I'm sure you guessed it, absolutely. We must look at her. She's a remarkable woman, but hang on a minute. Let's go back to the beginning of the story. What were her qualifications? Okay, if you don't know the whole story, I'm not gonna go into it in detail, but I will challenge you this. On all three stories of these women, I'm going to give you a few highlights. But go back and read the story. It's fascinating. Read the story and, and put yourself in her place. Kind of grasp what God is trying to teach us in these stories. So here's Queen Esther. Well, before she was a queen, she was just plain Esther. What were her qualifications to take the throne? Oh, yeah, she was royalty, and she was born in the lineage of royalty. Uh, no. She wasn't trained in royalty. She had no lineage in this. She had really no place to be there. She was Jewish. She should definitely not have been there. And she was a young girl. Now, you know, when you're in your teens, you think you know it all. And when you're in 20s, you definitely think you know it all. By the time you get to your 30s, you realize you're not so smart. When you get to your 40s, you definitely realize you had a lot to learn. And by the time you hit your 50s, you realize you were a complete idiot all these years. And you still have so much to learn. She was a young girl, a very young girl. She definitely was not qualified to be a queen. No training. She's Jewish. She's young. You and I would say, no, her resume is empty. What were some of the thoughts when, when she knew that this was of God, that she needed to become queen? She was afraid. It says in the Bible she was afraid. She was human. Uh, you and I, we're given a choice to do a job for God, and I'll look at a situation that, Someone proposes to me, I, I'd like you to do this. Me? I don't have any qualifications. My resume is empty. I, no, I haven't been trained. I, I, I can't. I have nothing to offer. This is probably what she was thinking. But you know what she did? Her heart was right with the Lord. Yes, she was human and she feared, but she took it back to the Lord and she prayed and she fasted. And just by doing that, God gave her courage to do what she needed to do. Now, in the story of Esther, could this be done? What needed to be done? Okay, let's, quick synopsis of what needed to be done. The Jewish people, 
were going to be slaughtered. They needed to be saved. The king was being influenced by a really nasty man. He just had not a good bone in his body. And every time something would happen, he'd go to the king and and the king would do what this man said. This nasty man did not like the Jewish people. He did not like Esther's father. He wanted Esther's father killed. And I'm giving you a quick synopsis of this whole story. So here's the story. Here's a king. And at one point, he asked his first wife to do something. And she said no. So he killed her because the nasty man said, you need to take care of her because she disobeyed you. And what is that going to make you look like? And so Esther now needs to become queen to a king who killed his first wife because she refused to do something. Would you want to marry that guy knowing that he killed the first wife and you're next in line? You better watch your P's and Q's. She now needed to go to the king and ask the king for favor on her people. How would you even think to go to your husband when you know he killed the first wife because of something? Now she's got to go to him now and ask him for a huge favor. And the other thing is, he wasn't the kind of husband that you could just say, honey, can we talk for a minute, you know, just have a little chit chat? She was his wife in name only, but she actually had to ask for permission to see him. She had to basically make an appointment. So there was not this great relationship between them, but God was giving her a task. You need to go to the king and you need to ask favor. I don't know about this. This whole situation to me sounds pretty, pretty rough. Have you ever been in that type of situation where you don't feel qualified? God's told you what to do. You've been fearful. You've prayed about it. He gave you the courage, but you're still looking at it going, there's, there's no way, there is no way in the world that we can get this to happen. Well, I have to tell you, God moved behind the scenes. Everything was behind the scenes. Layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of things happened. I always like to say, um, it's interesting to watch God move the chess pieces. You know, you're in this moment and there's no way. And all of a sudden you see these pieces moving and you're like, how did that happen? Well, it did. First of all, without going into the whole story, because I want you to read it, the nasty man went to the king thinking he was all that. You know, he's got it in with the king. The king loves me. And, but he didn't know the night before the king had a rough night's sleep. And he had this book brought to him that revealed all the wonderful things he did while he was on the throne. But the book was open to a certain page. And on that page, it talked about a man who happened to be Esther's father, who was one of the leaders of the Jewish people. And it said um, he revealed a situation of someone who was going to assassinate the king. And the king said, did we ever reward this man? Did we ever do anything for him? And the answer was no. So behind the scenes, this is happening. Now this nasty guy shows up the next day and says to the king, hey, I'm here, you know, how you doing? And probably had a conversation. And the king said, by the way, what would you do for a man that showed favor to me? And and saved my life. And he went on to talk about all the things. Now this nasty guy thought it's all about me. So, oh, give him a robe, put your emblem on it, parade me in front of the people, let them know that the king has favor on him. And he, assuming it was him, 
gave the layout of how Esther's dad needed to be brought to light as a good person and the leader of the Jewish nation. Long story short, the nasty guy ended up getting killed. This is some story in the Bible. Esther was able to speak to the king. The king showed her favor, and she, in turn, saved a nation. One woman who was a young girl who had no qualifications, who was fearful but prayed and had a heart for the Lord and sat back and thought, "How I can't do this. No, you can't. You have no qualifications. You're not good. You don't have what it takes, but God does. But he wants to use us. He wants our heart. And she saved a nation. Maybe God's something, God has something that big for you. I don't know that you'll save a nation. I don't know that you won't. I always like to compare Esther with one other lady, um, Madeline Muriel Hare. She's gone. She's been not alive for many years. But it took one woman to save a nation, and it took one woman to take prayer out of school. And I always like to challenge women because one woman, we're not talking, you know, a crowd of people or signing petitions and going to the White House. It took one woman who made such a stink and a fuss, they took prayer out of school. Where are we years later? The Bible's out of school, prayer's out of school. Where's our schools now? I'll leave that question with you. If it took one woman to save a nation and one woman to take prayer out of school, Maybe you're that one woman to bring it back. Okay, and we're going to look at someone else that, um, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, maybe you feel nameless when church starts and, you know, they read the bulletin and, oh, so-and-so is in charge of this and so-and-so is doing that and so-and-so did this. and But you're back there and you're working hard and, and your name's not in the bulletin and you never quite get, you know, your name in the limelight and, and uh, you don't feel qualified and, you know, I can't do what these other women do. Well, let me talk about a woman. We don't even know her name. She was nameless. So we're going to call her Mrs. Noah. Noah had a wife, but God, for whatever reason, chose not to put her name in Scripture. Uh, we don't really, there's ideas of maybe her name was this or that, but we don't know for sure. So we're going to say she was a nameless woman. Do you feel like that? Kind of, I got nothing. What were her qualifications? Well, let's, let me jump ahead real quick and talk about Noah. Okay, so Noah was to build an ark to preach to people. The earth was so bad at that time with sin, it was so bad that God destroyed the earth with the flood. But it was during a time where it had never rained before. So they don't even know what rain is, but we're preaching that rain is coming because God is going to destroy the earth and start fresh. So here's this woman who's married to Noah who has this vision from God and this direction from God. This is what I need to do, and she's married to him. So what are her qualifications? She's filling out her resume to be Noah's wife, let's say. She's nameless. I don't have a name, at least one that we know of. Um, the Bible doesn't really give us a real picture of her background. Um, I think they feel she was around 600 years old, which... For us, it's kind of old, but I guess back then it wasn't that old. But <clears throat> she, um, we know her age, but you look at who she really was. She was a wife of a very important man. She raised some children that actually supported their dad 
in the work that God called them to do. Joking around many times, wives, for those of us that are married, will joke and say, we're the neck that turns the head. You know, the men are the head of the house and, and you can define that however you choose in your family, but God has placed men in charge of our home um, in a respectful way. I don't mean that as a tyrant, but in a very respectful position. But you know, many times our husbands get a thought from the Lord, but there's many times we as women have to sort of soften that or help fill in the blanks and fill in the gaps. The husbands that become dads are very, this is the way it needs to be done. You need to do this. And then you find the mom saying, now, honey, we could say that a little nicer, say that a little softer. But together as a team, you can do miraculous things. If you're married, you know what I mean. If your husband gets called to do something, you can either pull your husband up and lift him up. You can do this. God's told us, I'm behind you. I'm going to support you. Or you can bring your husband way down and say, um, I don't think so. Do you realize what God wants us to do? No. We've got kids. We've got a home, family. I got a good job. We got nice this, that. You want us to give all this up to serve him where? I don't think so. So you could go either direction. Well, Mrs. Noah had to be pretty cool because she supported her husband every night when he came home from his day's work. I'm sure he was telling her, do you have any idea what these people said to me? Do you have any idea? They, they cursed me. They spit on me. They're mocking our God. He's building a boat for what? There's no rain. There's no floods. There's no place to put this boat. Um, think of all the things that he must have went through. I'm sure things that, what was she thinking? Um, she was probably thinking, is the Lord really telling us this? I'm sure, as a woman, you know, we have doubts. But she must have been a strong woman of faith because she continued to support her husband and continued to do what needed to be done. I'm sure she felt despair um, at times, looking at the sin that was out there, realizing there was no rain, and they didn't really have an idea what rain would be. They probably tried to make some sense of this job that needed to be done, but she needed to continue to be faithful. So could this be done? Humanly speaking, could this job be done? Looking at the situation, you've got everyone on the planet sinning and doing their own thing, what's right in their own eyes. We have a small family of just a few of us that are trying to serve the Lord in amongst sinners. Sound anything like today, maybe, what we're living in? It had never rained before, so they're building a boat, an ark that's humongous, that is crazy, and they're collecting animals and provisions to live on this boat for an extended period of time during a flood that people don't even know what a flood is. It's impossible. You can't collect two of every kind of animal. If we had to do that today and God told Bill Welty, go and collect two of every animal, that's impossible. I need you to build an ark this big and so on. Well, you'd have to have the skills, the tools, to know where to find the right kind of wood. Were they all perfectly skilled in all these ways? You'd have to have someone that could take care of the animals. You'd have to have somebody that had veterinarian experience and someone who knew how to cook. And how do you collect that much food for that many people and animals and water for that length of time? Think about all of that. Impossible. There's no way it could be done. Did God move? He did behind the scenes. As I would say again, God was moving the chess pieces. God moved by allowing the earth to be flooded. He moved with a rain that had never come before. These people didn't even know what this was. God moved by gathering his people, the ones that wanted to be saved, the ones that wanted to accept what the Lord said, 
onto this ark to be saved from what he was going to do. God allowed these animals and the provisions to be readily available and I'm sure easily accessible because God said this is what's going to happen. He made a way. God made a way to clean up this entire earth for a fresh start. We were in um, Sight and Sound, if you've ever heard of it, and we saw Noah, and my oldest son was very young. He was a young guy, maybe, I don't know, eight, 10 years old at the time when we went to see it. And I remembered sitting there and, and you know, the, the people were laughing as Noah's family got onto the boat and the, the ark door was still open. And he's pleading with them, come, be saved, come, come, God wants you saved. He's pleading with them and they're laughing and they're drinking and they're doing everything they shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden you heard one drop of rain and it was still in the, in the entire sight and sound auditorium. Then you heard a second drop and a third drop and the people were looking up. What is this wet coming from the skies? What is this? And it rained more and more and more to the point that they were trying to, they didn't know how to swim. There was no reason to know how to swim and they were grasping for air. They were trying to grab onto a tree or a stone and God completely covered the earth. And during this time, God shut the one door, the door on the ark, shut it like that. My son looked at me and he looked back again and he said, Mom, I even get choked up thinking about it all these years later. Is that what heaven's like? God's gonna shut that door and people will be screaming on the other side, let me in. And it's too late, you didn't accept him. What a message in that story. The last woman we're gonna look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now we portray her as a God. We, we make statues, we worship her. Um, I don't, but people do. We talk about her with such reverence and rightfully so, she was the mother of Jesus. She had a respected position. But she was no different than you and me. She was a sinner, saved by grace, just like you and me. But she was the mother of Jesus. But let, let, let's think about this, okay? We're talking the mother of Jesus, not the mother of Lynn Wilson or your kids or the mother of your husband. Or, this is the mother of Jesus. So she had to have qualifications. Guaranteed her resume was perfection. All right, let's look at this. She was a teenager. Okay, when I was a teenager, like I said, I thought I knew it all. I'm not anymore, and I look back, and you look at these teens, and you say, they're kids. What do they know? What did she know? She was a teenager. She was not married. She never had a husband, so she didn't have that um, experience of being a wife. She had never had children before, so she had no experience in being a mother. So right now, she's a teen with no wife experience, no mother experience. Um, she didn't really have a whole lot to offer. I wouldn't say, but God saw something in her. He looked, you know, and I'm sure if you and I looked at who was there during biblical times, we would have saw another woman, maybe older, more mature, had the experience. Oh, look at, look at all the qualifications she has. But God sees something different. God saw in Mary something that you and I would not have seen. What were the thoughts that when Jesus, or when God came to Mary and said, the angel came to Mary and said, um, we need you to do something. This is what God's going to do in your life. She was shocked and she was surprised. That's exactly what it says. She was shocked and surprised. How many times has God come to you and 
you know, you, you want me to, uh, and you're a little shocked and surprised. Are you sure you don't want her? You want me? Really? I don't know about that. But you know what? Mary's heart was right. Because it says in the Bible, Mary wanted to please God. God knows her heart. You know, you can have all the makeup, the right lipstick, jewelry, the perfect size four, clothing is impeccable. You know how to walk in the best set of heels. You can walk in a room and have every head turn. You can be as qualified as anybody to do every single thing. You're so talented, it's just unbelievable. But if your heart is not right, what good is all of that to the Lord? God wants our heart. He doesn't care about the rest. He'll fill in the blanks. He wants your heart. Just like Mary, she really didn't have any qualifications that we would look at. She was, you know, she, what did it say? She was shocked and surprised. She was a human being, kind of like a little stunned, like, you want me to do what? Do you, do you know, do you realize? I could see her saying, do you realize I, I'm not married? I, I, how can I be pregnant? I've never been with a man. So let's look at it. Could it be done? Humanly speaking, she was a virgin. There was no way she could bear a child. She had never been with anyone. She wasn't even married at this time. Could this be done? Absolutely not. How am I going to get pregnant? What am I going who, how, will Joseph marry me? Because like now I'm going to tell him I'm pregnant and we're not married and we have to get married and will he still love me? Will he understand? God took care of that. God moved behind the scenes. Did God move in this? Absolutely. Again, he moved behind the scenes. He went, sent an angel to Joseph and told Joseph and Joseph was accepting of the situation. During the whole story, they had to travel. God kept them safe on that donkey. There could have been all kinds of mishaps, but God kept them safe. When they got to the hotel, you know the story, the Christmas story, there was no room at the inn. God provided a place. You know, I, me, probably you would say, first of all, the mother of Jesus needs to be this image. So should Joseph be this image that he should be in the best of the best hotel, hospital. He was born in a stable, no midwife, no doctor, no IV, no epidural, no nothing. Plain and simple, a woman that had never had a child before is now bearing a child and she was bearing the savior. God kept this baby safe, even during a time where the king wanted to kill the babies. God moved in their life, moved them to a safe place. God is constantly on the move. We don't need, and we do, we don't need to worry, but we do. First, God tells you something and you're shocked and surprised or, oh, I can't do that. And then you're all excited, I can do this. And if you're like me, the whole time you're doing it, you're saying, but it can't be done. You don't understand. I don't have this. I can't do that. The timing's not right. If the weather, the, the location, um, we can't have a conference online like we're doing right now at America's Keswick. There's no way we can do this. Nobody's going to watch. Who's going to watch online? People don't watch Facebook. They don't watch Fox TV. They don't go on YouTube. They're not going to watch us live. They're not going to stay with us. They're not going to stick with us. It can't be done. I guess God's on the move. People are watching. People are listening. People are writing in. People are commenting. People are sending notes. People are calling on the phone. God is on the move. He has a purpose. He is behind the scenes 
doing the work that needs to be done for his purpose. So again, I ask you, are you worth it? Do you feel worth it today? Worth it to do anything that God calls you to do? Yes, you are. Let's look again in Psalm 139. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Just that alone should just convince you. Romans 5, 8, that you are a sinner and Christ died for you. If he loved you enough to spare his only son on the cross for you, he must think you're worth something. And then go back to Genesis chapter 1, the first chapter of the, uh, the first chapter in the first book of the Bible. God created us in his image. He didn't create the animals in his image or the tree in his image or this table in his image. He created us in his image. Qualifications, do we have any? Probably not. Does God have some qualifications for you? He's got things that you don't even know you have in you. What are the things that we think about? What are our thoughts? Fear, worry, anxiety, um, stress. I, I, I can't, I, I, and you fill in the blanks. We can think all of these thoughts. Can it be done from our standpoint? Absolutely not. I don't see how it can be done. I'm not qualified. The situation is this, but is your heart right with the Lord? Are you willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I will do this, but I don't feel I'm qualified, but you know what? I'm going to pray and fast. Let's look at Esther. She prayed and she fasted when she was frightened, and God gave her courage. And the situation of Esther, um, I mean, Noah's wife, we don't know exactly what she thought, but she had to be a strong woman because she had to support a husband and children, grown men children, to build this ark to be able to save the earth. They did not know. God did not tell them, by the way, just your family will be saved and everyone else. Otherwise, Noah would not have been preaching that you need to be saved on this ark. You need to come. You need to come. She had to be a woman of faith that went before the Lord and said, how do I serve my husband? How do I serve my kids? How do I encourage them? Behind the scenes, she was not someone that had a name. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not going to be the queen and you're not going to be the one to do something as a wow factor that people see. Maybe you're going to be the one that's behind the scenes, quiet, and maybe no one ever knows what you did. We don't really know what Noah's wife did. She's one of the people, when I get to heaven, I wanna sit down under a nice cozy tree and chit chat with her. I wanna ask her, what was it like? What, what was your role in this? I'm curious. She had to be a strong woman. Could it be done with um, Mary? From what we could see, no, she wasn't qualified. She was a kid. She had no experience in anything. But again, God saw beyond that. God said, you have a heart for me. I will give you what you need. I still go back to what I said the first podcast. There's always enough. If God is prompting you, don't run the other way. There's enough for you. How will God move in your life? Are you, first of all, do you have a willing heart? That's the number one question. Are you willing to do what he's whispering in your ear? It's been interesting over the past couple of weeks, I've had emails, texts, comments about people saying, wow, I needed to hear that. I'm glad, but don't just hear it, do it. Don't just hear what God's telling you. Respond, get up, don't sit in the seat. It's about time we all got up and started moving. You know, you only have one life. We live to 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years old. In a lifetime, 
those of you that are older realize how quick life goes. It just goes, it goes, it goes. Every year there's another birthday. Have you wasted time? Have you wasted another year? If you did, get up off your tush and start doing what God is telling you to do. Don't worry about your qualifications. He'll give them to you. Don't look at, I can't because of the situation. He's already behind the scenes moving. Are you willing to serve? Can God move in your life right now? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to hear his voice? I know there's times in my own life I could hear God speaking. Uh, I look this way. I've been asked to do a job and I said, I don't think so. You know, now that's not to say that God doesn't tell us that that is not our position. There's times that you can honestly say that. But I think many times we use the excuse of, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken to me yet about that. Or I need to pray about that. Most times that's our way of saying to the other person, you got the wrong girl. You know what? That's okay. God's got plenty of other people he can use. He really wanted to use you though. He loves you enough and he wants to use you. Is your heart open to what he has? But first of all, when we go back to the verse in Romans and we go back to the story of Noah, the first thing you need to do is make sure you're right with the Lord. Have you ever accepted him as your personal savior? Just like in Noah's day when that door shut and those people were killed, Noah's family was saved because they, they went where God told them to go. God is asking you today, have you made it right with me? Have you accepted me into your life, into your heart as your personal savior? If God is prompting you to do that and you're hearing that, don't reject him. I challenge you to pick up the phone, call Keswick, call your pastor, call a friend that you know loves the Lord that maybe has been witnessing to you for years and say to them, hey, I'm confused, I need help with this. They will walk you through it. Maybe today you're saying, I've accepted the Lord. I'll go back to, have you thanked him for that? Have you thanked the Lord for your salvation? Have you thanked the Lord for opportunities? Well, I've had people say, well, God doesn't give me opportunities. Okay, you might think that. Has your heart always been right and right for the picking? Can God look down like he did for Mary and say, she's the one. She will have the heart and she will do what I need her to do. Will today be the day that God looks down and says, hmm, put your name in the blank. Lynn Wilson, I need you to do a job. She has the heart to do it. Will that be you today? So I challenge you today. I'm going to ask you, what are you worth? You go back to scripture. You read these verses in Psalms, in Romans, in Genesis, and you prove to yourself that you were worth something to God. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next week.